0: Father, we thank you for this time to come under the teaching of your word. We do ask for your spirit to be at work in our hearts, to convict us of sin, to teach us, to grow us, to sanctify us in your truth, to comfort us and encourage us. Father, we thank you for Jesus, as we have just sung. Thank you that he has washed away all of our sins. And so we want to live for him. We want to devote our lives to doing his will and to worship him and to praise his name. One of the ways that we do that is to know what the word says and to obey the word and to apply the word to our lives. So we pray for this time to be profitable. Pray this time would be one that would help us to see more of who you are. One that would lead to greater worship of your name. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 20. It says, And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, Who lived in Ephesus and fear fell upon them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. I've titled this sermon, the prevailing word the prevailing word. We cannot forget that the word of God is God's very word. It's not like any other book that we can pick up and just read. This is God's divine revelation to us from God himself. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. God's word is by nature authoritative, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, but it is also powerful and prevailing and that it will accomplish all that God has willed, planned, and promised. And this relates not just for all of life and godliness, not just to sanctification. John 17, 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth, but also for calling people to himself for salvation. James 1, verse 18 says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits." Among his creatures, so that we will be true worshipers. So it's not just what the word of God is, but also what the word of God does. Psalm 19 verses seven and eight says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the word of the Lord is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It directs us how to walk wisely and rightly in this world before God. Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. We need the word of God to live wisely. We need the word of God to worship rightly. And we need the word of God to witness boldly. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Romans 10 verse 17. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing... By the word of Christ. This is the calling of the church. The church is the <clears throat> the church of the living God. The pillar and support of the truth. The institution. and instrument of God. And the authority of hope. In this world at this time. And the word of God. And the spread of the gospel. And the building of the church. To the end of the earth. Will prevail. It will succeed. Yet. God has determined to accomplish this through means. The means of his people his church we have a calling a commission a task to make christ known to the end of the earth and we can do this with boldness and confidence because god's word will do its work and it will not be hindered according to the plan and purpose of god this is what we see in the early church and the apostles what they were doing paul has just begun his third missionary journey To give you a time frame, that's AD 53 to 57, which is the span of his third missionary journey, four years. You can read about that at the end of chapter 18 in Acts to the middle of Acts chapter 21. And this time period, around 20 years or so from the beginning of the church, from the day of Pentecost, has been around 20 years now. And this is a time of transition as the church was being established. It was a time of transition from the old covenant to the new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit. It was a time of the apostles having this unique transitional and revelatory ministry from the Lord that set up and established the foundation of the church for the spread of the gospel to the end of the earth. In the previous verses that we looked at last week, Apollos and some disciples were only aware of the baptism of John and therefore needed to be filled in on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it means now to be part of the church. And the church today continues what the apostles established by now Proclaiming and teaching the full counsel of god and continuing the spread of the gospel to the end of the earth We looked at verses 18 and chapter 18 to chapter 19 verse 7 Where luke recounted paul's ministry in ephesus So that we would understand the importance of the local church For the continued spread of the gospel We consider three marks of those who live for christ And for the spread of the gospel as those who are making known active intentional making known continually we saw devotion to the lord which is first and foremost we saw that with paul as he made a vow to the lord cut his hair we saw that through discipling others paul went around strengthening churches he helped apollos and the other disciples to become aware of what had happened and we saw the distinction from the world as the church devotion to the lord discipling others and distinction from the world as the church and in verses six and seven as it happened in Acts chapter 2 with the Jews, Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans, Acts chapter 10 with the Gentiles, happened here in Acts chapter 19 with the disciples of John. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. God is showing that the gospel unites all people together, Jew and Gentile, into one body, the church. And he makes us known and witness through the power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we can tell everyone about Christ and rest in the sovereignty of God in salvation. And in these verses, Luke continues to recount Paul's ministry in Ephesus so that we would understand that God accomplishes his plan and demonstrates his power in and through his people. So that we would understand that God accomplishes his plan, demonstrates his power in and through his people. In verses 8 through 10, we'll see the powerful word of God. The powerful word of God. In verses 11 through 20, we'll see the powerful works of God. So the powerful word of God and the powerful works of God for the spread of the gospel to the end of the earth. And we'll see the prevailing word. Look at verse 10. It says, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And down in verse 20, so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. We'll see the prevailing word through the powerful word of God and the powerful works of God for the spread of the gospel to the end of the earth. First, verses 8 through 10, the powerful word of God. Again, and he entered the synagogue, this is Paul, and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Paul is still in Ephesus, and Luke informs us of what he was doing there. Paul continued speaking out boldly, meaning openly, confidently, without fear, holding nothing back. And he did this for three months, it says, reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom of God, about the gospel and Christ and salvation, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and the only hope. In chapter 20 of Acts, verse 19, it says, Paul did this with all humility and with tears. He loved them. He wanted them to know Christ. He wanted them to know about the kingdom of God. He did this with all humility and with tears, day and night. And from house to house, as we'll we'll see in in chapter 20 when we get there. But verse 9 here, it says, But when some were becoming hardened meaning continually hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, that's referring to Christianity, before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. They were becoming hardened to the word of God. And what is that? It's disobedience. It's disobedience. Verse nine says they were becoming hardened and disobedient. To reject the gospel and God's word is to be disobedient to God. Romans 16:26 Paul calls the gospel and the word the commandment of the eternal god Jesus commands in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 he says the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel a command the gospel is a call and a command for people to obey to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ not to do so is unbelief which is disobedience and sin When the truth is repeatedly rejected, it hardens the heart. And the message of salvation becomes an aroma from death to death, 2 Corinthians 2.16. And Paul, after speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, decides it was best to move on from there as the people were becoming increasingly hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. They had no intention of listening at that point but only of blaspheming. But but because Paul understood that evangelism is about being faithful to proclaim the gospel and the truth about God, and that God is the one who is sovereign over salvation and granting understanding and granting new life, Paul was not discouraged. He was not fearful. He was not slow to keep on making Christ known. Verse 9 says he withdrew from them and took the disciples away, reasoning daily now in the school of Tyrannus. He just moved on and kept doing what he was doing. The school of Tyrannus was a lecture hall that Paul used to meet. And this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Paul moved on and continued on speaking the word of the Lord so that all who lived in Asia heard the word. And back in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says that Paul passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. He is prevented from going into Asia Minor at that time. And then in Acts chapter 18, verses 19 and 21, he he comes to Ephesus with Priscilla and Aquila, and he leaves them there while he entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but took leave of them and said, I will return to you again if God wills. So he set sail from Ephesus to get to Jerusalem because he had made a vow to the Lord and then to Antioch, back to his home and sending church. But now Paul is in Ephesus again, and this time for a significant amount of time, and exactly at the time that the Lord wanted him to be there. God redirected Paul at certain times previously, preventing him from getting into Asia Minor to Ephesus For a reason, for a purpose. And God has a reason and purpose for everything. Maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted. You didn't get into the school that you wanted to get into. Maybe your plans have been changed. God has a plan and he has a purpose for everything. So Paul is back in Ephesus now when the Lord wanted him to be there. And so wherever you are now is exactly where the Lord wants you to be right now. And he would be in Asia for three years. And the impact of his ministry proved to be faithful and fruitful, though very difficult, as we'll see when we get to Acts chapter 20. And through this period of two years, according to verse 10, the church in Colossae would be planted through the impact that Paul had on a man named Epaphras during that time. Furthermore, the seven churches in Asia mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3 would be initiated during this time. This, these two years that Paul spent spreading the word in Asia so that all would hear, both Jews and Greeks. God always has a plan and a purpose, and his timing is perfect. And so through the ministry of Paul and other believers, all who lived throughout Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord. And this is the powerful and prevailing word of the Lord at work through his people faithfully proclaiming the word wherever he has them. This is the powerful word of God that accomplishes his plan and purpose. Next, we'll see not only the powerful word of God, but verses 11 through 20, the powerful works of God. Verse 11 again. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even brought, were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceba, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out the house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. We have to understand the context of Ephesus a little bit. Ephesus was a city filled with wealth and temptations. It's been called the Vanity Fair of Asia Minor. The Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was located there. It was also the center of superstition and magic practices. It was famous for its charms and spells known as the Ephesian letters, these little scraps of paper that had spells on them that if you recited them, claimed that you would be able to control the spirits in some way, and thus it guaranteed to bring safety, success, wealth, and health. This was the context of Ephesus. And there's different versions of this today happening all around the world. This promise and guarantee of health, success, wealth, and safety, but not through the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Through different means and people trying to make money for themselves and a name for themselves. Luke says here in verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Who was doing or performing extraordinary miracles? It says God was. God was through Paul. This is about the powerful works of God through his people. Miracles were intended by God to be a divine approval or authentication of his message and his messenger. Miracles always accompanied the message. And such miraculous power was unique and delegated to specific people during the apostolic age and was one of the determinative signs of a true apostle. Second Corinthians 12.12, Paul says, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance, by signs and wonders and miracles. And by the time Hebrews was written, which is a few years later, the author of Hebrews wrote about miraculous signs in the past tense. Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4 says, After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And now with the completed canon of Scripture, which we have before us, the purpose of the apostles and their signs and miracles have been fulfilled, which was to authenticate their message. So during the time of the apostles, We see God working in this specific way through extraordinary miracles. And it was God's authority and power working through his apostles that healed. That's what we see here with Paul. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. These miracles were publicly witnessed and verifiable and immediately and fully effective for those who were healed. All those around would know that a healing had occurred. So that even, verse 13 says, some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. They saw the effectiveness of the miracles done by the hands of Paul, by God, And now they're trying to call upon the name of Jesus to do the same thing. I adjure you, by Jesus whom Paul preaches, seven sons of one Sceva, Jewish chief priest. And records show that there was never a Jewish chief priest by that name. We're doing this. Going back to Acts chapter 8, Simon, the practicer of magic in Samaria, was trying to buy the power and authority of the apostles for his own personal benefit and gain after recognizing their true power and authority. And that's what we see here as well. The so-called Jewish exorcists, it says in verse 13, there's a key word there, attempted, attempted. So they attempted to use the name of the Lord Jesus for their own personal gain and reputation and recognition. They understood the true power of God through Paul, and so they would invoke Jesus' name in their attempted exorcisms saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. These people who practiced magic would use manipulation, deception, preying on the feelings of people, disguising their motives with rituals, and claiming expertise in healing for monetary gain. And it worked. They were successful charlatans, frauds, imposters. They knew that people need help and that people will seek it out and look to all sorts of things that seemingly promise to offer help and hope. This is the nature of the human heart, and they use that for their own benefit. Yet here, they took it even further. And instead of merely manipulating people, they were seeking to manipulate Jesus, as if he's some cosmic genie or some kind of divine magician to be used to accomplish their will. And God used their utter foolishness to make an example out of them so that it would be known to all that his power and authority is greater than all and that one ought not to use his name in vain. And God does this by using an evil spirit who is not even foolish enough to do that. Verse 15, the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? The evil spirit was not fooled And knew that they did not have power over him. In other words, who are you? You have no power. You have no authority to do anything. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it says that Jesus healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak. Why? Because they knew who he was. In Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 13, Says Jesus, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him any more, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had not been had been torn apart by him, and the ch- shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. They knew who Jesus was and his power and authority over them. Luke chapter four, verses 33 to 35. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing any harm. The demons had knowledge of their ultimate fate. And the demon asked if this was the time that Jesus was going to destroy them. And we see in Acts chapter 19, verse 15, the evil spirit saying to the seven sons of Sceva, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And God used the evil spirit to show them what even the demons know, namely his power and authority over all. Verse 16 and 17, it says, And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them, so that he fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. The name of the Lord Jesus being magnified is speaking about true worship. Through the message of Paul about the kingdom of God, accompanied by extraordinary miracles and the example made of the false teachers, healers, God affirmed Paul as his messenger and thus his message as well. Through the powerful works of God, the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified in that people came to see that Jesus is Lord over all even over demons and evil spirits and the occult, and that he has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. This was demonstrated by repentance, by true repentance, verse 18 and 19. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices, and many of those who practiced magic brought their books together, began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and it 50,000 pieces of silver. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of life. It leads to transformed living. Believing begins with confessing. Confessing is agreeing with God about your sins. Agreeing with God about what his word says. Believing begins with confessing and disclosing your sins to God. And then repentance, a change of mind according to the word of God, which is the mind of God, to a change of life according to the word of God, which is the will of God. And you see this in verse 18. As it says, those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. They were confessing their sins before the Lord, making them known to him acknowledging confessing and this led to a change of mind and a change of life they no longer wanted to practice magic they no longer wanted to trick and deceive people and take their money verse 19 those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone why did they do that in the sight of everyone because they deceived everyone with their magic And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. They were voluntarily willing and wanting to leave it all behind because Jesus was more valuable and worthy to them. And they definitely counted the cost. As Luke gives us the price of all their books, 50,000 pieces of silver, which was equivalent to 50,000 days wages for an average laborer. And thinking about this in today's terms, let's make it easy and just say, you make $100 a day, 50,000 days, $5 million. So whatever amount that was in those days, it was a staggering amount of money. It was a significant amount of money, which demonstrates how much wealth was accumulated from these superstitious and magic practices in Ephesus. They were making a huge profit. Yet, yet, They were willing to give it all up, to follow Christ. When you truly come to know Christ, and he is your greatest treasure, you can say with Paul in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 10, whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So that Philippians 121, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Mark eight thirty six, Jesus says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We have seen through the powerful works of God through Paul, and even through the evil spirit, that he displayed his power and authority and made it known. So that verse twenty, the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. And this has been a recurring reality and theme in in Acts. In Acts 2, verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of the Lord kept spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. Chapter 9, verse 31, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria continued to increase. Chapter 12, verse 24, But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Chapter 16, verse 5, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Chapter 19, verse 20 here, so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Chapter 28, verse 31, Paul was preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. So in the midst of opposition and threats and distractions from without and from within the church, in the midst of imprisonment, in the midst of cities full of idols and paganism and superstition and magic practices, in the midst of hostility from religious leaders and from governmental authorities, in the midst of anything, the world's salvation cannot be stopped. God's plans cannot be thwarted and Christ will build his church and the gospel will go forth to the end of the earth. It is guaranteed. And so we pray for workers to be sent out as we ourselves continue the work where we are. And all this is accomplished through the powerful word of God being proclaimed as we open our mouths with those around us to speak of Christ and what Christ has done to encourage them in the truth about Christ and his word. All this is accomplished through through the powerful word of God being proclaimed and the powerful works of God through his power being lived out by his people. This is the prevailing word. The word of the Lord is what transforms people. The word of the Lord is what transforms people. How much we ought to be in the Bible. We love Jesus. We sing about our love for him. And that is one way to express our love towards him as we sing but we have a relationship and the way that we know god and know his son and the power of his spirit is found in his word so we cannot neglect the word as a critical and necessary part of our daily lives we want to grow we need to read his word we want to know god more we have to read his word we want to be sanctified. We have to read God's word. We want to be able to counsel people wisely. We have to go to God's word. We cannot forget the power of the word to accomplish God's will in our own lives and in the lives of those around us as his spirit works. The word of the Lord is what transforms people so that verse 17, the name of the Lord is magnified. Therefore, we are to proclaim the gospel and call people to repent and believe in Jesus Christ, the only Savior and only Lord. God accomplishes his plan and demonstrates his power in and through his people. We can't just sit back and do nothing and wait for God to do everything. God accomplishes his plan, demonstrates his power in and through his people. That is why he has saved us. And why he has kept us here on earth, even though our citizenship is in heaven. We serve with an eternal perspective and a great hope. And though there are no more apostles, and God doesn't perform miracles through our hands, this same power is active and working in us. The same power is active and working in each One of us who believes in Jesus Christ who have been born again from above and given his spirit. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit that saved us. Saved us to sanctify us so that the works of God would be seen through us as we live transformed lives. Displaying the love of Christ. Displaying Christ-like humility. Being peacemakers. Therefore, it matters how you live. It matters how you live. Your life is a testimony to the world of the power that is at work in you through the Holy Spirit. This is how people will see the powerful works of God through your life. Philippians two twelve and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What God is working in us by his spirit, we are to work out in obedience to him. Second Peter, verse chapter one, verses two through seven. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent. Apply all diligence and be all more, all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. We are to continue to depend upon the power of the Word of God and live out the power of God working in us so that we don't lose sight of our calling, so that Christ remains our greatest love and our greatest treasure and delight. And so that the, our testimony to the world is distinct and stands out. We're not just walking according to the world. And what happens when the church begins to look away from the word? When the name of the Lord is not being magnified? When the people of God are not living out the word according to the word? The heart can become cold. The heart can become hardened because it has forgotten Who Christ is and what he has done and why they have been redeemed and called in revelation chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 Jesus says of the church in Ephesus This is around 40 years later I have this against you that you have left your first love Therefore remember where you have fallen And repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. The church must be centered upon Christ and his word. And the church must be devoted to living for Jesus Christ. And the church must be fixed upon making Christ known to the ends of the earth. The powerful word of God being proclaimed and the powerful works of God being lived out for the spread of the gospel, the focus is always on him. The focus is always on him. God guarantees the, the spread of the gospel to the end of the earth so that his powerful word and works would be heard and seen so that he would receive all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory, and all of the all of the worship. So God does accomplish everything, but he does that through his people, the church. That is why he has established the church. And this is the message of the book of Acts. This is the role of the church in redemptive history during this time, knowing what is coming next, the day of the Lord, when it will be too late, when Christ will come back, take his people out of this world, and then return with his church to set up his kingdom the kingdom of God, which Paul has been preaching here. And people will be either in heaven or hell. And so we must, at this time, as the Lord has us here, where he has us, be those who are making Christ known. We must see the importance of the church, value the church, delight in the church, be a part of the church, participate in the life of the church. As we come together to serve one another, encourage one another to stand firm and press on in this work that the Lord has called us to as his people. We know that the word will prevail. We know that the gospel will go forth. We know those whom Christ has died for will be born again by his spirit whom he has sent. But we must be faithful to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how powerful it is. We are living testimonies of how powerful your word is. In our rebellion, in our sinfulness, as we were your enemies. As we heard your word, which is living and active, revealing our own sinfulness. Revealing how disobedient we have been towards you. It brought us forth. You brought us forth by your word of truth that we are now your children, adopted sons and daughters, part of your kingdom. Father, help us to be those who would go and make disciples of all the nations, calling people out of this world, out of darkness into light. Help us to do this with hearts of love and compassion. Help us to do this with humility, to do this faithfully. Father, we know that all the nations will come before your throne and worship you. What a joy and privilege it is to take part and participate in the work that you're doing. How from what you planned from the beginning is seen even in the establishment of the church for your perfect purposes. We also know what comes in the end. And so help us to look forward to the hope that we do have, but to live in the present, understanding the calling and commission that you have left us with. Thank you for your spirit that strengthens us and empowers us and enables us to do your work in and through us. Thank you for your word that you've preserved over generations, have given to us to be a source of light Help us walk rightly in this world and wisely in this world to know how it is that we ought to worship you according to your word. Father, help us to continue to seek after you for all things. Thank you for this time. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.